and welcome to the Wonder Women segment of the Maker Mom podcast. I am Katie Freeman, your host of the podcast. Every week I am bringing you two interviews of amazing female and non-binary makers alike, some of them moms, some of them not, but make sure you check out both Wednesday and Friday episodes. This week's Wonder Women segment is with Anne of Anne of All Trades. She really does do it all. Uh, Currently she's working on building a craft school on her property in Tennessee and uh, she also does homestead farming, she does woodworking, she does metalworking, she does blacksmithing, she really truly does it all and if you're not familiar with her well I hope that you listen to this whole interview and then go check out her YouTube channel and Instagram and all the good content that she is putting out but before we hop into the interview I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on patreon so thank you so much Bonnie tool mom Bonnie of toolmomstore.com Laura Oakley soap company Mary Lou made by Mary Lou Amy, Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly, Reclaimed Living Store, Brandy, Studio Obey, Kathy, One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing support of the podcast and helping to produce two episodes a week. All right, uh, make sure that you listen to the end of the podcast so you can find out more about how you can support the ongoing content that is being produced. And with no further ado, here is Anne, Anne of All Trades. You've been working hard. You've been working crazy hard. It's been a bit of a summer for sure. But like, I mean, not in a, like in a negative way. I mean, like you could, it's so easy in a situation like this to allow yourself to get completely like overwhelmed and like really start looking at it as like a slog or like, you know, whatever, because I mean, you know, 18 hour days are pretty much like what it's like right now. But like, I really like I I have to just constantly be refocusing myself and just being like hey like this like you 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 asked for all this <laughs> right and I mean like I mean I didn't you know like no one yeah you know right. what I mean yeah yeah um and and all of it is indicative of like really good things like um you know even the fact that like amidst COVID um that I that like I have work to do is is a blessing right. in and of itself and which is very different than you know so many other people around the country um I mean the fact that I'm working this much is also because of COVID because initially I had like a certain amount of money like laid aside so that I could pay some people to help me and that disappeared um as a result of COVID so I mean you know there's there's some give and take for sure um but I really am thankful that we at least are even still able to move forward um we're you know right now I'm building um a craft school um and that is really exciting to like it's an exciting thing it's something I've been working towards um pretty intentionally for the last five years um but really like 
the last eight years have really led me here. Um, and then also we just moved across the country. So we're, um, I like, we kind of got a blank canvas as far as starting over with our farm. And so I just wanted to jump in with both feet there too. And I mean, like the thing is, that's really cool about all this is that um, with like, with COVID even happening, I normally travel every two to three weeks um, <laughs> and I'm gone for like half the month every month. And so the very fact that I am here, um, like, to establish the farm, like, by the end of this year, I will have this farm that was, like, had nothing of what I needed except for a physical barn. Um, by the end of the first year, I'll have, I'll be further along than I was after five years of building up our farm in Seattle. And so, like, just the very fact that I'm around is great. So um, it's definitely some long days. Like I, we're, I'm still trying to like put out um, videos every week. Um, I hired um, some full-time employees this year. Um, and so trying to keep them in work um, was definitely a big challenge, even just trying to figure out how we're going to like devote enough time to make a, a weekly YouTube right. kind of stuff. Um, and so all that's still going on. I'm working on writing a book uh, and yeah, that's, and You're then crazy. I also got, like, <laughs> yeah, but I also got dairy cows this year, um, and I'm actually also getting beast cows in a couple weeks, um, and so there's definitely, I've definitely, like I said, I, I asked for all of it. Yeah, but that's, like, I mean, that's a good busy, like, yeah. I feel like that's a good busy, you know, um, so, okay, I'm gonna circle back around. And have you, like, introduce who you are. I know everyone oh, yeah, who sorry. will be watching this will know who you are, but no, um, no. still. <laughs> I'm Anne. Um, some people may know me as Anne of All Trades, and I am a woodworker primarily. Um, I started building fine furniture eight years ago. Um, I picked up my first tool eight years ago, started doing just projects that I needed around the house um, that we couldn't afford to buy. Around that same time, I also planted my first seed um, and got my first pet. I had grown up living abroad. My parents are missionaries, so I didn't have exposure to any of this world back then. But I, I kind of like was working in corporate America and was like, I have always wanted to do things with my hands. I've never had that opportunity before. I'm going to take it and quickly realized I wanted to find my exit from corporate America. And now here we are. Eight years later, um, I started a YouTube channel three years ago. Um, eight years ago, I started an Instagram account. Um, and writing um, has always been something I love doing. So writing for various magazines and doing product photography and other things kind of opened doors for other areas that eventually turned into a business that is now uh, what I do. Mm-hmm. All right. So... I realized, like, in my preparation to chat with you that there were some things I wanted to cover that I feel like, because I've listened to you be interviewed on other podcasts, you know, um, I was like, okay, what are some things we can cover about Anne that's, like, not covered typically? One of those things, I know you've mentioned your parents were missionaries, like, and you grew up abroad and stuff, but can you talk a little bit more about that experience, like, what was absolutely an average day as as a kid like for you? Um, well, I was a super um, quirky kid. I'll just say that right now. 
So um, my my parents work well. My parents helped found a an organization uh, 40 years ago that is a, a non-denominational Christian ministry, and they have worked for that organization ever since. Um, they they helped found a, one of the campuses that's now the second biggest campus um, worldwide, and it's the organization is called for those who are wondering Youth with a Mission. And um, they yeah, so they're the campus that they helped found is in. Lakeside, Montana, which is a very small town in the middle of nowhere in the northwest corner of Montana. And uh, that what they did is they bought this um, former Air Force commander base. Um, and so it actually was set up to basically be the campus that they were going to turn it into. And so it had um, it had officer housing. So there was like a circle of um, like houses. And then it had dormitories and a cafeteria mess hall thing. It had um, classrooms and things. And so they were able to basically the organization that it, it is a training facility for people that want to become long-term missionaries. And so they have all kinds of different things that they do. And like, I could go on and on. It's like actually a really cool organization, um, but they, they have all kinds of things that are like not necessarily like related well, I mean, they are related to missions, but I mean, they have, um, they're on the campus there. They have their own mechanic shop. They have a wood shop. They have a recording studio. They have a like state of the art um, architect studio. Um, they do like dancers come from all over the world to like do choreographed dances. Um, so it's very much creative focused. Um, and that piece of it really, really kind of like in a lot of ways made, made me who I am now because there was, infinite uh opportunities to express creativity and to explore that um especially accentuated by the fact that there was adults who were very interested in investing in young lives who would you know foster that that kind of curiosity and creativity and so that when we were in the states that was like the ideal circumstance i mean there you're living in a in a like in a, a fenced in neighborhood with all people that you deeply, deeply know. So like, it's safe to be in anyone's house. Like we basically got turned out at the beginning of the day and then we weren't allowed to come home till like after dark <laughs> or whatever else. Um, and so it was, I mean, it was awesome to be able to be like, we were heavily monitored, but like fully right. free. Like we, we could, you know, I spent my, like half my childhood just like running through the woods and fishing and like building forts and, like tinkering on golf carts and or go-karts and things like that um just like basically totally free um which was really really cool and definitely is a huge part of who I am now um when we were traveling abroad which we spent a lot of a lot of time in Ukraine Austria Czech Republic when I was young um we were like they were doing some relief stuff after Chernobyl happened so we like we were um, in Eastern Europe for a lot of that. And then um, my parents had been doing a lot of work in Asia. When I was 13, I went to Asia, like, as a cognizant enough person uh, for the first time. And I absolutely loved uh, Taiwan. And I basically decided when I was 13 that I was going to learn Chinese and that I was going to spend the rest of my life living in Asia. Um, I then started traveling back and forth um, to Taiwan specifically, but then um, like pretty much all the time. And then when I was in university, I decided to do a year abroad. I went to Peking University at, in Beijing, 
And then after I graduated university, I went back to Taiwan to do a biblical um, training school that was like a bilingual school in Chinese and English that uh, is associated with that same organization. So that was that was what that was like. Um, a typical like the one one kind of interesting thing about that is that we all went to public school when we were in the States. So like it was often that I'd miss like 100 days of school in a year. Um, and like, because we were the only kids that like in rural Montana that were like, that had such an eclectic lifestyle, like it, um, you know, I was pretty badly bullied when I was a kid, like pretty significantly. I actually like now as an adult, uh, have now realized that I like was having, um, anxiety and panic attacks, like all the time at school that were manifesting. Like, I mean, I didn't know what that, what was happening. Right. So I was always getting sick. So one day, um, one year of school, I called my mom and had her come pick me up from school at 11 o'clock every single day because I was, like, physically ill. But because, like, now, like, I literally just, like, just a few months ago, like, realized, oh, like, the panic attacks that I'm having now and, like, that kind of anxiety and depression and stuff, like, that's what that was back then. But, like, mm-hmm. we had no names or anything for it. So, anyway, all I have to say that... um like I didn't like I didn't know that any of that was like going on really um and I also was like my parents are the most encouraging like supportive people in the world so like amazingly I left that situation with like an unhealthily high (laughs) self-confidence level um and so like things that I think like happen like things that I like genuinely remember happening as a kid like that probably would have like affected other people like greatly for the rest of their lives like were like detrimental slightly but like didn't like affect me until much 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 later so I mean ultimately I feel like I had the like the coolest childhood like if I could somehow replicate it for my kids and then maybe shield them from like a little bit of like the crappy things that (laughs) kids will do to one another um then I would but like I mean, yeah, I'm so thankful to my parents for, like, the experiences that they gave us. I'm thankful that we, like, that they raised us in rural Montana, but also that they took us abroad and gave us, like, a perspective on the world and, um, yeah, just a worldview that was, that was, excuse me, far greater than um, we would have otherwise had. Yeah, totally. So you have, you have a sibling, more than one sibling, I have two uh, blood siblings, and then because of the organization, like that, everyone like you, 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 you gain other family members yeah. quite quickly. So, um, you know, there was always multiple, uh, multiple people that were like coming in and out of the house that like I have now since basically just treated as siblings. Um, mm-hmm. Two of which like uh one of them is from South Africa and one of them is from Indonesia they are like my big sisters that I I mean I also have a big sister but I would say they're the big (laughs) sisters that I never had because they they were such a huge part of my life they still are like they've gone on to have kids of their own and their their kids have basically been like my little sisters my my little brothers um and that's been really cool um and they still live um (laughs) Rebecca lives on one side and Mariska lives on the other side of my parents um, and so, you know, every time I go home, it's like, you know, everybody's still there. It's, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, yeah. So there's like, I mean, there's like basically 13 people that I would consider to be my siblings. Um, but my older sister and my older brother yeah. are 
my real ones. Yes. Okay. So I would say probably, are your parents surprised at all then, like, what you do for a living now, given that you had access to, like you said, that free range creativity and, um, like, are they, were they surprised at all when you're like, I'm leaving my corporate world and this is what I'm going to do? I don't think my parents are ever surprised by anything <laughs> that I do because they know better. But also they're like, again, they're just so supportive that like, I think we always joke, which is, I know that this is not the case, but like Adam and I always joke that my mom is like so supportive that she'd be like, oh my gosh, like you're joining the Hell's Angels? Like that seems like <laughs> such a great community of like friends. Like, like you guys, like, you know, you'll be able to, you know, do heroin together. Like it's going to be so great that you'll have those special experiences. Like obviously that's like the most like right. exaggeration ever, but my, but Adam and I do always joke about stuff like that. Um, but like, no, I don't think that it was surprising that I would end up like doing this kind of stuff. I think it was pretty surprising to them that I came back to the U.S. and like lived in the U.S. And I'll be honest, it's surprising for me, too. That was never my intention. When I moved back to Seattle almost 10 years ago now, I was planning to come back for six months. Adam and I were going to get married, and then we were going to go back to Asia. Um, but then um, we got married, and Adam got a really good op job opportunity. And um, here we are 10 years later, and we don't live in Asia. And that was a pretty tough dream and goal and everything to give up. But um you know, I, I, like we've, we've made it a priority for me to be able to go back frequently. Um, I go and visit my friends from university all the time. They come here all the time. Um, I go back to Taiwan at least once a year, usually not right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Awesome. So yeah, I think that was the only real surprise about that. But the other thing too, is that like, I have, I've been obsessed with all this stuff since I was a kid, even though I didn't really have like, we don't have any money is the other thing of, of that, that like, yeah, I had no idea how like poor we were until I was an adult and I was like, oh my gosh, like they hid that really, 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 really well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like we, you know, we didn't, I didn't have any tools. I didn't have, like we couldn't buy like supplies for projects or anything like that. And mm -hmm. so basically I was like, if like one of the neighbor kids had like a wrench and, and a golf or a go, gosh, I drive a golf cart every day now. I know. So, like, this, it's like, I always call it a golf cart or a go-kart, but if one of the kids had a go-kart, like, it was so exciting to be able to work on it. But, like, you know, I'm mm -hmm. now living, I'm now living my childhood dream by, like, working on all that stuff because now I can. But I didn't, <laughs> yeah, couldn't back then. That's awesome. So I also don't know much besides the fact that you left corporate world to work with your hands. What kind of work did you do in the corporate world? Like, what were you doing? I'm not sure if I'm technically allowed to, like, talk about some of it. Okay. But, I mean, I feel like, I mean, what are they going to do at this point? Um, but I worked for a website called Zulily for a little while. Do you, do oh, you know yeah. Like of course. All moms deals. know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when I was working at Zulily, I was, like, basically, like, it was, it was horrible. Like, I mean, like, if, like, the funny thing is, I really think that, um, just like the way that I am, I'm, I'm very adaptable, like in the right circumstance, I can do anything and like love doing it. So it really wasn't like the fact that it was corporate America that like killed me. I really think that if I was working at, at a place that had like a company, a company culture, like Google or Amazon, or like that, some of the things that you hear about where they have like, you know, 
jam room right. <laughs> and like a gym on set and like everyone like hang- and like a company lunch thing where like everyone hangs out and you work together in teams and things like that like that I think I don't know if I ever would have actually left that because ultimately no matter what I'm doing the thing I care more about than anything is the the relationships that are that are involved and so I think if I had been on a, a like a more dynamic team in corporate it probably would have been really different I do say that I actually did work for another company uh, (laughs) that was like a fire and security company that actually did have a pretty good team dynamic, but it was like also quite miserable. So, I mean, I'm really (laughs) thankful for that job in case anyone's from right now. I mean, that company is listening. Uh, But anyway, yeah, I, I, um, yeah. So what I, what I really did was like, I I did like peon type stuff. Like um, at Zulily, I was like, resolving um i can't even, I, I i'll have to think if i can remember even like the terms um but basically because zulily is like a daily deal site they will get like batches of inventory and it will like be scanned in and like automatically uploaded to the website and then like it'll be sold like in that batch but there could have been discrepancies. I'm going to just like bore everyone here. To just get <laughs> no, everyone no, no. Took out of it. There'd, there'd be like discrepancies um, with the numbers of things that were like there and the number of things that were sold. And so like I was in charge of like trying to like basically looking at the website and looking at orders and trying to find like find the problems. Like, gotcha. and so like I, a quality I, control looking, type check. Well, kind of. I would be looking at pages and pages and pages of things and looking for the anomaly um, so that if we found the anomaly, then we could like fix the coding so that anomaly didn't happen again. And basically there was like this, like hundreds of thousands of things in the backlog that just like would keep recycling in the system if you didn't find the problem. And so I was looking for the problem. Anyway, I'm dyslexic. That's not a good job for someone who's <laughs> dyslexic to do. Um, wasn't good at it. Didn't like it. I was commuting via bus, um, which is great if public transportation is good. Uh, but Seattle, I think, has improved this slightly. But I would have to leave. I would have to leave uh, at five a.m. to get to work by nine. And it was not that far away. It's just that, like, you know, I was like yeah, being a good yeah. citizen and wanting to commute by bus and all that BS. So, were you, did you guys have that same homestead property at that time no. when you were doing that job? No, we lived um, actually, funnily enough, quite close to that homestead, um, just up the street, actually. Um, but we lived in a, a neighborhood that ironically had an HOA. I say ironically because it was a poop hole. Um, to put it lightly and I mean like Adam's like Adam's house was like one of the best in the neighborhood but that's not like really saying that much and like the funny the reason I even bring up the HOA is that like I was like oh my gosh this is gonna be the perfect place to like you know change the garage and like like set up my my tools and everything I can dig up the backyard and put in a garden because I've always wanted to like have a place that I could have a garden Um, you know I'll be able to get chickens and rabbits and like honestly like if that HOA was not there I like I honestly wonder if we would have ever even bought bigger property or anything but um anyway to I'm now like rambling to a completely different story but I had to join the HOA so that I could like the HOA board so that I could um pre-delete all of the email complaints about my chickens (laughs) 
my <laughs> Jacob Beckard. But like the funniest thing about this is that like this neighborhood was not nice enough that anyone should have cared. It's just literally that like, like, you know, people th- that lived in the neighborhood were like sitting around like looking for things to make us think about. And honestly, I don't think that the HOA could have even done anything about it. Even right. if like I hadn't, <laughs> even if I had gotten ca- caught or whatever, but I'm very proud to say that I uh, lived there for two more years with my backyard garden and with my chickens and um, was never found out. So. <laughs> but nice. anyway, what was the question? Why, what was I doing at corporate America? There's your answer. <laughs> well, I was really just trying to figure out when the, the homestead came into play and when like, was it just like kind of an accident in the sense of like you started a garden and then like the garden grew and you started with like an animal and then the animals just grew and then all of a sudden you realize like you're doing a thing that's not yeah. like everybody else is doing? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, like I will preface it by saying that I have always wanted to live on a farm, but I think that's more because like, you know, grow like as a kid living in rural Montana, like, I saw what it was like for, like, my friends to have horses, and, like, to have, like, pets, like, dogs, mm-hmm. and, like, right. things like that, and also, like, another, like, funny thing that, like, as an adult, I'm like, oh, well, there's why that was that way, <laughs> but, um, like, I always have, like, been obsessed with animals, and, like, because I was, like, like, so badly bullied as a kid, like, animals were, like, and this is, like, the most pathetic thing ever, but, like, animals were the only thing that, like, never hurt me, um and so like I have always like absolutely loved animals and like had like a certain like like soul connection to them because I'm mm-hmm. like look like I will do anything that I can for you and you're gonna like because I know that you're gonna do anything like like that for me and so um yeah the like I always did like I always said that I wanted to live on a farm as a kid because I always like wanted to just I was like what if I could have animals around me all the time and they would never like they would they would never hurt me like kind of thing right. um but um the yeah but like the funny thing is that I have said like repeatedly that like I am very very good at like getting in way over my head um because like one thing like like I don't have the I don't have the the thing that I think most people have that's like hey like that seems like a bad idea or like you know like I'm not gonna try that because like you know like whatever it is like I think like like whatever it is that stops people from doing things that like people are like oh you know I've always wanted to build something whatever it is that like keeps them from building something like I don't have that and I don't have it at all like um and to a to a negative fault often with with the with the the whole homesteading thing or whatever else is that like I like I got in and I like if if nothing had disrupted that I think I would have found a way to make like that small homestead like really really work out well um but we did have a very big life disruption that um is not mine to talk about but we had to suddenly move and so in that we found like I literally I'm so not tech savvy it's hilarious but like I accidentally clicked on some like pop-up ad that like happened to be for a farm that was right down the street and it looked at least in the pictures and to my idiotic um, naivety to be absolutely perfect. And it was like, like just above where we could afford to pay, but like maybe we could negotiate and all this stuff. Anyway, we had to um, move in. Well, we had to be out of our house in 19 days. 
So, um, and then that was, this is a complete surprise. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had already like, you know, like I said, I'd be right. in the backyard. There's a whole lot of undoing I needed to be able to do to make, make all that work. Um, anyway, to make a long story short, miraculously, we got that place. And I say miraculously, but then like after the fact, I'm like, oh my gosh, what the hell did I get into? Because uh, that place was a dump, like a dump. The house, like, I mean, it had been a rental house for 20 years, if that gives you any indication. Yeah. Um, and the like there was trash everywhere like it was so like and I didn't know anything about farming or anything else so it's like I don't know why I thought that that was a good idea but like I thought the barn was really cute looking and like it had some land turns out the land was like covered in um like six inches of carpet and then like with seeds planted on top of it and then there was like um six dump truck loads worth of trash in the forest and um, nothing worked and everything was broken and oh yeah there was a 1500 square foot shop on the property um, but it was condemned as it turns out we found out later but anyway all of that like you know I, I, got, I got it was too late when I found all that out so I was like well I guess this is what we're doing now and really again if if we, if I'd wanted to like stay in Seattle we could have made that place even work for forever um, because even at like three acres you can do anything that like anything that I like doing you can do it on three acres easy easy peasy lemon squeezy um, but then you know I I didn't really like living in, uh, in Seattle I didn't want to live there I mean I'd only come back for six months and six months it had suddenly turned into three years when we first bought the um, the the farm and then you know five more years later and I was like I would like to get out of this place um, but I also didn't know if or when that would ever happen. So we built it, like, I mean, I built it up to exactly what I wanted it, only to find out, like, after I finished the last like, big project, a week later, we were moving to Tennessee. <laughs> but such is like, you know, yeah, so, yeah, so to answer your question, like, it was, it was, it was incremental, but I also, like, I had no idea what I was doing, and I had no idea it was going to grow to be like this. And, like, eight years in, I see this, and I'm like, well, what's it going to be in, like, 30 but I mean like right. <laughs> hopefully like you know things will like find like a equilibrium all right I'm super excited for this week's sponsor this week's sponsor is tool mom Bonnie or tool mom and company so tool mom and company is for all ages genders uh, they have what you need for your one-stop tool related merchandise of gifts or clothing or both um, her products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind, and you can check her out at www.toolmomstore.com or find her on Instagram under toolmombonnie, and Bonnie's B-O-N-N-I-E. Uh, you can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the coupon code MAKERMOM. So I have two of her mugs. I have one that says, I believe... What is it? Oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> one is like the definition of a tool woman and the other one is just like a circular saw with flames coming off of it and I believe it says uh, Go Girl on it and they're super fun mugs. I, w I love drinking coffee out of them in the morning. If it's not out of my Wonder Woman mug, it is out of one of those two mugs. So you definitely should at least check out the mugs, if nothing else. And remember, extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. All right, thank you, Tool Mom Bonnie, and let's get back to the episode. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I know a little bit that when you were in Seattle, you also, I mean, you worked at a school, right? A bit yeah. While you were there. Um, yeah. So you got into woodworking because you couldn't afford stuff. So you were going to build stuff. And then yep. were you, you were using hand tools because you didn't have shop space, correct? Is that? A little of that and a little of other things. Um, the Actually, when we were in our original house, we did have a garage and I actually did get some power tools and I got set up there. But I very quickly got into hand tools because another funny thing about my childhood is like I have been obsessed with um, history like my entire life. So, you know, I was always like into like Roman times and then like, you know, the, the settlers fascinated me because they were able to do everything that they wanted to do like just themselves um great like people that were like you know lived through the great depression have always been like i i've like i want to hear everything about their life and how they made things work in the midst of that and all that so anyway all i'd say that um the hand tools were really interesting because i it was like a way to use like to basically create like almost like a like a an experience like in my shop I had this like hand tool area that like you stepped into it it was like you're literally stepping back into time and so like you can suddenly like use antique things and like you know what what story does it tell that this hand plan is like you know 150 years old like who else touched it what they used to make with it I mean mm -hmm. what did they make it with using it good night yeah anyway <laughs> you know what I mean uh, yeah. and like whose hands touched it and what's their story and all kinds of stuff like that. And so that's why hand tools is, was is initially exciting to me, but I did have power tools in that shop. Um, then when we moved to our new house again, because, or the, the farm or whatever, uh, because it had this huge shop, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fill this thing with so many tools, blah, blah, blah. It was condemned. Um, we put all my stuff in there. Um, three days later, we had this huge rainstorm and there was three inches of water on the ground. I was like, okay, well, I have to sell all my power tools because they're going to just like rest to shit in here. Anyway, oops, there's the other one. Uh, <laughs> Mom, sorry. Uh, anyway, all that to say that, uh, yeah, the I, 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 I then was like, okay, well, I either have to stop woodworking until I can rebuild this, which we were completely broke from buying the farm. And also we're going to be broke for the foreseeable future because we bought the farm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, there was a laundry room in the, in the thing. And I was like, well, my workbench fits in here. So I'm going to fit everything else in here too. So I started doing only hand tools, but literally like, not because I was a purist, which I love being a purist for some reasons, but, but <laughs> it wasn't because I was a purist. It was because I literally had no option to put like, Right. only the workbench fit like when I was building furniture in there I had to climb over the workbench to get to the other side of my project to continue working on it like there was no extra space um so that's that's kind of what happened with the hand tools there but um right after we moved to the farm I was offered a job that I was like unbelievably unqualified for running the woodworking program at Pratt Fine Arts Center which is the school you're talking about um basically got the opportunity there to um build the education program that I couldn't afford to take that I'd wanted to take. Um, and then I also like was working. So like I got to get kind of, I mean, I was doing it. I was like attending the classes in my spare time, but like, you know, I was, it was part yeah. of my job to like, to be there and to attend the classes. So I got to like, basically I, I looked at myself and I was like, Hey, I'm like my ideal student for this program. Like, who do I need to hire? What do they need to teach? I was like making the course curriculum, and then because, you know, I worked in corporate America, like I had like, and I, you know, I majored in marketing and stuff in college. So like I knew how to market right. it. 
Um, and that, like the marketing was the only skill that I brought. And then my ineptitude was the other skill that I brought um, <laughs> because I just basically used that to model a program that then became really successful um, mm-hmm. for, for the, for the school. And like, you know, it was a weird thing to be like a 24 or maybe 26 year old person in a room full of the other studio managers were all like in their 40s or above. Yeah. They all had masters of fine arts and they had been doing their craft for many, many years. Um, they're like, you know, at, at like company meetings, they'd be like, oh, like what museum um, has your work been shown in? And like everyone would be like showing these like slideshows of all of these places that their work had been. And I'm like, well, my mom's living room is pretty cool. So is <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so was that no, was there an intimidation factor at all? I mean, oh, yeah. I don't see you really because you seem always, like you said, an absurd level of confidence, right? So it's. I mean, like... <laughs> walking into those rooms and being in those rooms, like I definitely was like, um, hi guys. <laughs> but like, but like the thing is too that I think a lot of like, I think a lot of other people would have like not taken the job. And would and would have been like, oh, you know, I'm gonna give this to someone who's more qualified. But like, it never even crossed my mind. I was like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. And like, and the thing too is that like, growing up without any financial resources, like I've been an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was six years old. Like, so and I'm, you know, I got my first full time job when I was 13. I lied about my age, and like, I worked to to help save money so that I could go to college one day. And like, so I knew that like even though I was like technically not qualified for the job and like was bringing a very different perspective to it than anyone else in that position had before. I also knew that like I'd work my butt off to earn it. And I did. And like, and it worked out really well for everyone involved because it was a great experience for me. It was like, I built a program that I was really proud of there. Um, you know, enrollment like skyrocketed, like we were selling out like every class. It was like, it was great um, for everyone involved. It just like, you know, it was also a little weird to be in a room full of people that like knew way more than me. And right. also like, I think like, like really all of them were like, were so kind to me, at least to my face. And so, like, I, so I was, I, I'm just like, oh, you know, like that was great and, and undeserved as well. Um, but I definitely always felt like there was a, like, what the heck is she doing here kind of thing? Like with so many, so many things like that. But you know what? It worked out great for everyone. <laughs> Did you, have you ever gone down to, it would have been, yeah, would have been down when you were in Seattle, down to the Kronoff School of Woodworking? I didn't ever make it down there. Um, I have like meant to for so long. Um, but it's like, it's like in, like you have to, like you get, you fly into the airport and then it's like a two hour drive yeah, yeah. to get there. And I'm like, first of all, like when I was like doing all that stuff, like I wasn't old enough to rent a car. So unless I got someone else to take me, uh, yeah, I like, I just never made it there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I think it would have been cool for you to have the opportunity to meet, um, Laura Mays who runs the program there. Um, oh yeah. Cause she's an amazing fine woodworker herself. Um, totally. I mean, I know who program. she is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. So is that, where's the passion come for the craft school on your property? Like, where's that passion coming? Um, well, like there's kind of, it's like kind of multi, 
faceted there because like I will actually say that like working at Pratt um was the like if there was a way that I could have picked Pratt up and put it in a more a location that was more like centrally located to me physically um it would have been a place that I could have spent like the rest of my life working at prepositions <laughs> um but like I but like there is a funny like dichotomy of like I I care so much about being with people um but I also love farming and it is really 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 tough to be away from the farm for like multiple multiple hours at a time it's like when I was going to Pratt you know it would be easily a 10 12 hour day and like that's fine if nothing happens like no goats get out or you know if your alpaca isn't having a baby in the middle of the day (laughs) like something like that um but like you know it's not it like even though it's only like I don't know I can't I think it was like 16 miles away from my house or like maybe even 14 miles away from my house but because of Seattle traffic that was like an hour and a half drive um Mm -hmm. and so like even if something happened like my dog got hit by a car like you know to get home is like it's 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 a funny thing about like the emergencies of farm life. So anyway, that's this is a very long way of answering your question, which is uh, par for the course. Um, but I like have like even in Seattle, like the the shop that I built up, like that fifteen hundred square foot um, square foot space that I like built from the inside out, um, rebuilt it and everything. Like the whole point was literally like, funnily enough, like as much as I like. Um, you know, working with wood or, or blacksmithing or, or working on cars or like whatever else. Like the thing that I love about it is doing it with other people, which is why Pratt was so cool. Cause it was like a community maker space. There's like so much knowledge and so much, you know, inspiration and community all under one roof um, in so many different disciplines. So you can be as, as uh, unfocused as you want and still be productive, productive, productive with mm-hmm. other people and building relationships the whole time. Um, so even in Seattle, when I was building my own shop um, there, I was building it like, like almost as like a fly trap for other <laughs> people because I, I wanted it to be a space that other people would, like I wanted to make it like so cool and so well-equipped that other people I admired would want to come and work there too. And mm-hmm. I, and ver- that very much happened and that was super rad. I mean, I spent a ton of time working with my friend Nick from Bear Built, um, who's just yeah, one of my best friends now. Um, you know, I had tons of people come from all over the country to to do collaborations mm-hmm. and things like that. And like that was the goal, really. Um, sorry if you hear any like commotion, it's because my donkeys <laughs> are breaking down the recycling right below me on the porch. So that's what's happening. They like to play with boxes, and like they're just like tearing the boxes apart piece by piece by piece. Um, anyway, I'll let to say that um, when it came to coming to Tennessee here. Um, there was no shop there was no space that would be like I mean there's a barn but I have animals and livestock so that's not really and then there's a garage but it's like you know it's a two-car garage and it's attached to our home Um, and even then like if I were to set up the tools that I have like I have industrial equipment at this point so like if I were to set up the tools that I have and that like there would be no space like so maximum I might be able to have a friend come and like hang out while we're working together, or maybe do like a collaboration, but it would never be more than that. And so um, I really wanted to make a space that was a big enough for like multiple people to be in at one time. Um, but then I also like, I mean, the only reason that I am where I am now is because some like, I mean, 
I always say that I picked up my first tool and planted my first seed eight years ago. Yeah, like I had that amazing childhood with like lots of enrichment and stuff like that, but I didn't know how to do anything. And I, I had never had tools of my own. So I didn't have any like actual skills. I just had like, you know, experiences. Mm-hmm. So um, like the only reason that I am where I am now, as far as like craftsmanship and anything else is like specifically with woodworking is like, cause I had a, like a series of people that I like intentionally sought out and asked to mentor me. And I like found ways for me to add value to their lives so that they would do the same to mine. Um, you know, I, the reason I got my Chevy truck, my, my antique truck that I'm building is like, I had like, I had no idea like what a carburetor was or how an engine worked or anything like that. But I was like, the best way to learn is going to be to, to have someone show me on a vehicle that I need to drive. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with all that, I have met, like also because I've done a lot of um, interviews. I used to have a regular column in a woodworking magazine. So I've interviewed tons of people like w- through Lee Nielsen um, Toolworks, one of the companies mm-hmm. that I've done a lot of um, education stuff through and for, um, you know, I've gotten to be in places like rooms that I didn't deserve to be in with people that I didn't deserve to meet. Um, and then because of Pratt, I was able to like hire master artists to come from like other places in the country that are like uh, well-established crash people. Um, you know, I was at dinners and like, um, like charity events and stuff like that. Again, places I didn't deserve to be with people I didn't deserve to meet. But because of all of that, I have, I like very, very, very well connected in the community. And one thing that I have seen um, happen, especially like as social media has grown and stuff, like basically if you have like a certain number of followers, you're accepted to be an expert. Um, And unfortunately, (laughs) the way that you, the way that you get followers actually doesn't really have anything to do with skill or um you know prowess in your field or anything right. else it's lit- like it's a whole lot of other stuff as you know as a content creator yourself um and I've seen like time and time again I mean like even with myself like you know I, I I think all the time like people look to me as like some resource for like for fine woodworking and I mean I know I, I teach fine woodworking like I, I I know a little bit about it but like I certainly don't know as much as Christian Bexford, who has been cutting, like, who's, like, the world-renowned expert in dovetails, but is Christian Bexford getting 8,000 likes on social media? Is he, like, getting, you know, 100,000 views on YouTube? No, he's not, Um, and I've seen that time and time and time again with people that I know to be, like, the best craftsmen, Mm -hmm. Um, and people who, people are looking on social media for um good god I don't even know how long I've been talking at this point no you're good you're good answer your question no you're good Uh, but like I've seen people on social media so hungry for knowledge um but like you know the people who are actually good at their craft are don't tend to be super good at social media like their stuff like the actual expert stuff is not getting put in front of the people that need that, that desire to see it and so with all of that I was like well what if I could build a space that would like that would that would bring the people that I want to be around and to learn from uh to me here on the farm but would also like what could I what could I do to offer them something um like lasting in return and one of those things is to 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 create paywall content um like so online content so like I know how to produce things I know how to market things I know how to film things and photograph things beautifully um so what I'll do is open this place up for a series of like expert expert teachers in like a variety of different um, disciplines blacksmithing woodworking farming um 
uh, like mechanics, like there will be space, like machines uh, or machining, like there will be space and shops set up for all that stuff. And I will like, because of who I know, I'll be able to invite the, the actual experts here. But while they're here, I'll also film for them like an online class that then like they can take, like, I mean, they don't take it. It's not a real right, thing. Right, but they right. take that digital product <laughs> with them and like, yeah, they get the income from the class. Um, which is significant. Like if you've ever, you know, a week long class, you can, you can earn a, a significant amount of money, but like not just that amount of money, but then also they can take like something that will pay them quarterly, monthly, whatever for like forever. Um, and I've seen some classes like that, you know, like can sell for like, like they'll make a hundred thousand dollars right. in the first year. And like, even if it's like $10,000, like $10,000 for a lot of these people that I've known and interviewed over the years is like a life changing amount of uh, money. And so to like, to get what I want, which is like, you know, the chance to, to, to learn from these people, it's like a very small thing for me to build this facility and like produce some content for them and then give them like long term income. And so that's what's really exciting for me is like, it's just is to bring a little bit of that stuff that like, not that not everyone is seeing and put it okay. in front of them and give other people the opportunity to learn from people who are actually like you know have done it right. more than three right. times um right you know, a lot of like a lot of the youtube content like i mean even i'm guilty of this like you know i've got to get a video out like i'm going to try something for the first time and now i'm like suddenly like you know, I, try, I don't do like step-by-step -step content for this reason. Um, but like, you know, suddenly I'm like in a position where people might right. look to me for advice about something that like, you know, this is the first time I've done plumbing. Like, are you really going to ask me like, what kind of silicone to use? Like, <laughs> right. I wouldn't. So I always ask this question um, as part of my podcast, because it's specifically focused on women in the craft. And that is like, you're like, to me, you're describing like what would be my dream scenario to be able to just be like a fly on the wall, right? And learn all of these amazing things as I'm sure any maker would, would want to be. Is there a part that you see of providing more, more attainable access to women specifically like oh, sure. in this area there is something like so powerful about seeing people that look like you doing the things that you want to do and even more than that um like seeing someone who looks like you doing something that you never thought that you could do or that like you know um like again I grew up in a really supportive situation so it wasn't really so much for, like that for me but it really like but I mean I also grew up in rural Montana like I like one of the big reasons that I was like so badly bullied is because I was super into skateboarding and like building stuff and like I was a total tomboy and like you know girls did not do that stuff there and right. like and that was like you know it crushed me in a lot of ways um as a kid um and you know as a young teen and everything um because it just like you know to to assimilate I had to like ignore the things that gave me the most life and um excitement and so um I am like that's one thing that like I like absolutely like when when dads email me and they're like hey you know like you know watching your videos I, I want I like it gave me the idea to take my daughter into the shop we had a blast I'm so glad that we had that quality time together I like 
breaks my heart in the best possible way because I'm like, yeah, that's like a dad spending time with his daughter. Like every, like every daughter yeah. does that, you know, or like, or like time with their parents or, or, right, or whoever, yeah. you know, like that's so, that's so huge. But then not only like even beyond that, then that means like, you know, he's then giving her an example of someone who, who does like, you know, what if she does love that? Like then, mm-hmm. she, then she can be the one who's in, in dad shop or mom shop or whatever. Right. Um, working alongside him or her and like yeah that um that's like huge to me I think it's really awesome to like I mean and the craziest thing is I think like you know guys have like numerically a, a huge advantage um as far as yeah. that goes but like some of the most talented people that I know like Megan Fitzpatrick um Nancy Hiller like they're like Laura Mays like they're they're so like yeah. I mean I literally like I'm gonna um just like I can't make a list because I'll leave yeah. too many people out and then I'll regret yeah. it later. Like, anyways, <laughs> um, I mean, there are, there are people that like, that are, I, I think be, like better in so many yeah. ways than their counterparts, because there's also like, I mean, and I could probably get canceled for saying something like this, but like um, women bring a different, like a different eye to they do. everything. I, like Lisa, uh, my blacksmithing mentor, yeah. um, she she is one of the most talented blacksmiths I've ever met and her like the way that she works and the way that she designs things is different than any guy I've ever seen um and that's pretty special and like and anyway it it needs to be seen more it needs to be done more and like there really is no like there should if it's there should be no no barriers if it's life-giving uh doesn't matter what gender you are you should be doing no that's what I I've uh had conversations recently um because outside of the major storm <laughs> we've been cleaning up, um, I've been working on uh, fixing and redoing the siding of a little playhouse at my daughter's preschool, which awesome. she's like, you know, so proud to go around and say, my mommy's a woodworker and she's Heck like, yeah. in the playhouse. Um, but like the other people who are helping are the female teachers. Like, so it's a whole group of women working on this project, you know, and an occasional guy would come, will come over and try to like mansplain something. And it's like, all you have to do is turn around as a group of women and look at him like, really? (laughs) 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 Clearly we are okay doing this. Um, Even though personally outside of like the experience I had with you in April that one weekend, carpentry and building I have never done and so like this is totally just like I'll wing it I'll figure it out as I go like it's a playhouse it's you know it's not a real house so um, but still it's just amazing to me like to have those conversations and that you know I have a son and a daughter my son wants nothing to do with what I'm doing in the shop unless it's like making an order for something he wants me to build for him and but my daughter wants to spend time with me she wants yeah. to use the hammer she wants to use the drill she wants to actually use it and do it and I think that's Heck fantastic yeah. you know so yeah I hope and I know you know people like yourself in April and everything inspire other women you know and, and the Anna Whites and stuff uh, inspire women to just like Heck yeah figure out how to get into doing that stuff um but I hope to see the tides continue to change in that. Oh, direction. absolutely. They have to. Actually, you want to know something really funny about Anna White? Um, my brother-in-law 
like has built like so many Anna White projects and I like I freaking <laughs> love that like he is like the manliest man and he's like you know like he has built like in, almost all the furniture in his entire house but like literally every single piece is um plants he bought from Anna White and I was like yeah nice <laughs> yeah and it, I mean like I'm not well actually I'm not gonna finish that thought because I'd get in trouble but anyway his Adam's whole family is like very very proud of him for building that stuff so it's right. like yeah Anna White man Anna White that's right <laughs> well um and we are definitely at the end of our time and in case people don't know where they can find you I'm going to give you the opportunity to shout out where people should look you up Oh, yeah, you can find me uh, at, at Anna of All Trades pretty much anywhere on the internet. You can find me on Instagram at Anna of All Trades, on TikTok at Anna of All Trades, on YouTube at Anna of All Trades, Twitter <laughs> at Anna of All Trades, and my website is AnnaOfAllTrades.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, it. thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. All right, so again, that was Anne of Anne of All Trades, and I will make sure to put all of the links on all of the different social media uh, for you to follow along with Anne in the show notes. And the easiest way you can find those show notes is to visit freemanfurnishings.com and hit podcast in the upper left-hand corner. You'll find the show notes for this episode and all of the past episodes as well, so you can find all of the other amazing makers. All right, now if you're enjoying this podcast, there are a few things that you could do to help this podcast continue going and get uh, more of an audience. One of those things is to make sure that whatever you're uh, platform you are listening to or watching this podcast on that you hit that subscribe button and then if you can head to iTunes leave a five-star review or leave a comment on YouTube uh, in the video itself that would be amazing um, if you really really enjoy the podcast think about joining the tribe over on Patreon there are several different tier levels there's a one three and five dollar tier level that come with different merchandise like stickers and t-shirts plus you're part of the tribe and you'll get access whenever there are live interviews or zoom meetups and then there is a new tier level it is a thirty dollar tier level and that makes you an official sponsor of the podcast which gets you your own ad spot uh, during the podcast episode every episode of the month. Now those are very limited spots so if this is something you think you might be interested in you might want to go hop on that real quick and that's just again at Patreon so p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash podcast. or if you want to just straight up get some merchandise you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash shop and find the Maker Mom podcast tee, which currently is rocking the Mom Squad, which is the list of the first 65 episodes of interviews. All right. Um, when I'm not making this podcast, you can find me, Katie Freeman, uh, underneath my design and make website, freemanfurnishings.com and at freemanfurnishings on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and I think it's Freeman Furnish One on TikTok on TikTok or I'm sorry on Twitter. All right, so go ahead and you can follow along with me if you want to see the crazy things that I am up to making, generally power carving these days, but also some resin projects in there too. So 
it is Wednesday. It is hump day. Whoop, whoop. I hope you have a fabulous rest of your week, and I will see you next week with a brand new Wonder Women segment.